1: All right. Let's get to our guest, Prashant Bayani. He is the CIO for Asia at BNP Paribas Wealth Management. He's on the line from Singapore. Prashant, thanks for being with us. So many things to talk about here in terms of what is driving market action. There are the earnings. There is the Fed. What is top of mind for you?
2: Yeah, great question. I think we're focusing firstly on earnings because it's a litmus test. Uh, We We're already neutral equities going into uh, over the last few months. We felt earnings estimates were too high. We're seeing earnings actually come in about 3% above expectations. It's a lower beat rate than normal, but it's not as much as feared by the market because the market moved ahead, of course, of the sell-side analysts on the earnings estimates. So, so far, so good. It's early. This is the heaviest week coming up in terms of number of... uh, companies that are coming out. So we're going to see some choppy trading around that, and we're going to see relative winners and losers. But overall, so far, it's a little bit too early to make a strong conviction coming out of it. With the Fed, I think what's happening now is 75 base points baked in, obviously. Uh, what's interesting is you're starting to see longer-term yields come down, not up. So the market has clearly moved from inflation worries to growth worries and obviously the dreaded r recession. So mm. that's something that we want to see in terms of is it mild, is it deep. Right now we see a slowdown, not a recession, but it's a close call.
0: And as you say, the Fed will be moving that focus shifting potentially to avoid a recession in 2023. What happens to market action after this 75 basis point hike that is baked in? Do we continue to see an extension of the bear market rally?
2: Yeah, With regard to the Fed, it would be interesting, do they keep the same hawkish message in the last, from the last meeting? Because actually, some of the forward-looking data has turned down on growth, like PMI data, manufacturing data. Uh, unemployment still is very low, and jobless claims is just mildly picking up. So that'll be the key thing the market focuses on. We don't see a big shift on their language, just because inflation still is too high. I think they want to see probably two, three prints in a row of CPI getting better. Uh, as well as other inflation indicators, but they will be a little bit uh, relieved that longer-term inflation expectations actually are anchored, unlike obviously over the next one year. But if you look at five-year inflation expectations, they've actually come down over the last couple months.
0: One of the biggest stories we've been following, particularly yesterday, was Alibaba seeking that primary Hong Kong listing, potentially the U.S. exit looming, and a lot of people saying this could be a boon for some of these tech stocks because it could take away some of the concerns about potential regulations on the U.S. side. Does this kind of enliven the China tech story, particularly as we're hoping the worst of the Beijing crackdown is behind us?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's another positive in the sense that obviously people want a backstop uh, in terms of U.S. delisting talks are still going on, and obviously they've been going on for some time, and there's no clear conclusion yet. But this China, if you will, homecoming of stocks back to the Hong Kong exchange is a positive thing. And obviously giving access and liquidity from mainland China investors into Hong Kong also is good for liquidity. It doesn't change the fundamentals of the company, but it's good in terms of liquidity and a backstop against the risk of delisting in the U.S.
1: Do you think it represents a pivot, a point, where we can really take seriously a decoupling we've talked about it before there's been the trade war Uh, there's this story that uh, kind of came to the fore when tensions became um, elevated in Hong Kong there's the situation now with Taiwan are we are we at risk of seeing a, a more serious form of decoupling between these two economies
2: in the long term, in selected areas, yes, deglobalization, nearshoring, these trends are going to continue. They're five, ten-year trends. If you want to move, for example, semiconductor supply chain, it takes five, ten years. But it's not just the U.S. Europe also wants plants built in, in Europe for semiconductors. The Ukraine war is accelerating this deglobalization and nearshoring in selected areas, where perhaps there are national security issues, but it's also food and energy security. So. For Europe in particular, that's even a bigger issue in the short term, as we know. So that's a broader trend that's going to continue, and I think you have to look at it in that context. We went through an incredible period where you had China enter WTO 2001. You had globalization outsourced to the lowest-wage countries. That's changing for a number of reasons going forward.
0: Uh, In terms of what we're seeing in the property industry as well, that is a very big problem for the overall growth picture there too. We are starting to see some signs of more policy support there too in terms of trying to cushion this downturn. How do you view the space in the property sector? Is that something you're staying away from at the moment?
2: Yeah, we're still cautious on the property market. We haven't seen that bottom yet. We've had 10 months in a row of falling property prices. Um, We have seen now more measures to put a floor... I mean, this is 30% of GDP of China's overall economy, the direct and indirect effects. So it's a major issue to put a floor on growth. And we're going to see, for example, local governments take over projects or work with property developers to take over projects where the developer is too indebted. But the problem in the short term is the banks don't want to lend to indebted property developers if they don't think they're going to be paid back. So we're starting to see talks. It hasn't been confirmed of actually a real estate fund set up between banks and local developers to inject, to help finish off some of these projects. We need that confidence. We need that transparency to put a floor on that, on that market. But I think there's more pressure to do that given the slowdown in the economy. So
1: what about risk to the financial system in China as a result of that? Is that something that you're concerned about?
2: We're not a, we're not concerned about the systemic risk in the sense that the policy banks are strong, they're well-backed, they're in effect, of course, have stakes from the China government and, and implicit backing as well. But the issue is broader is what's the hit to growth? Because if the property prices, as you know, are dropping, the U.S. is just now perhaps starting. That affects consumer confidence, that affects spending. And it's the economic impacts, which we're more concerned about than a financial crisis. In fact, what the China government trying to do is bring down property prices. They were worried a few years ago about actually that becoming uh, too expensive and unaffordable for most citizens. So They're trying to, to put a floor on property prices. But, of course, if you combine that with COVID and everything that's happened, we've had a much bigger downturn than expected.
0: Prashant, great to have your insights. I think we're talking to you on TV in a couple of hours as well. Prashant Bayani is Asia CIO at BNP Paribas Wealth Management with us here from Singapore on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The
1: countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state